What's going on guys, my name is Dave Fetzer and welcome to Into the Stands, a podcast for sports fans where we sit down with the people who make sporting events possible. On this show, we're going to talk to athletes, coaches, facilities and operations, media and more. If there's anyone that you would like to hear from, let me know in the comments or on Twitter at Into the Stands. We appreciate you listening to the show and ask if you enjoy it, please subscribe, rate and review because that is how we will get the exposure that we need in order to grow. Thanks again again and let's get into today's episode today's guest was on the jeff and sandra morning show on wone which was voted the number one morning show in akron he then hosted weekend sports talk on 93.5 wakr before getting his own two solo shows coach's corner and drew's views he was the co-host to kathy vogel in the morning on gen y at 107.3 alternative out of cleveland and after that he hosted mornings with chris drew also on 107.3 while hosting mornings He was named Assistant Program Director and Director of Imaging for the entire station, which was voted one of Cleveland's favorite stations. He was the host of the 2022 Cleveland Music Awards and made the national list for Radio Inc.'s 30 Under 30. He then left the terrestrial radio space and is now the co-host and creative lead for Menace to Sports with Zach Smith. He's one of my best friends from our days at Firestone High School in Akron and an absolute sports savant. Now, let's get out of the booth and into the stands with Chris Drew. All right, we're here with Chris Drew from Menace to Sports. Chris, how you doing today, man? Phenomenal. Dude, it's awesome to talk to you, man. We have some really cool serious history going back we just talked for like freaking 10 minutes about the good old days yeah life before good old good old firestone yeah firestone high oh yeah, man. man place was a mess Definitely um, a mess so i mean obviously like we know each other back from high school we spent a lot of time together always knew you were in sports into sports mm-hmm. but when did you decide that you actually wanted to work in just media in general and was there anything in particular that made you kind of want to make that career choice? Bro, it's so funny because uh, I always like joked around about like working in media and then I always also ran away from it as well. I mean, I don't know if you remember, but way, way back, uh, I was 17 because I was early in college. You were also in college in the honor storm. And yep. I came in the one day with a piece of paper talking about like the, the college radio station was like looking for personalities to host a sports W-A-K-R. show. W-A-K-R. Yeah. No, no, that wasn't AKR. That was um, – Or Z-I-P. Z-I-P. Yeah, Z-I-P. AKR is the other station. Yep. And and we just joked around like real briefly like how cool would that be if we did it because we had been around computers our, our basically our whole high school lives. And then I, I never ended up kind of – throwing my name in that hat and so I ran away from it um never even attempted to and then in 2017 I threw out my back and I was going to physical therapy for uh, probably like five or six months I had the bulging disc is a whole story and my third time there at physical therapy I'm joking around being a funny guy I consider myself a funny guy Dave I don't know if you know oh yeah I I remember I remember and after my physical therapy, my physical therapist comes to me and is like, hey, this girl who is an assistant program director at the rock station in Akron thought you were hilarious and loves your voice and wants to get you on the radio. She asked what your name was, but we can't we couldn't tell her. So she said to give this to you. All right, cool. Da, 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 da. I'm in college still. 
Um, I sent an email, hey, I'm the guy with the messed up back, even though I'm only like, what, 19 years old. I, yeah. It's me with the messed up back. And uh, we start trading emails back and forth. And long story short, um, I ended up getting put on that morning show uh, as kind of a learning role and then also working events for their local radio station. And then from there, it felt like uh, I was in a place where I couldn't run from it anymore. I was going to work every day and like seeing people work in studio and enough people Ray Horner on WAKR took interest in me as an athletic personality, as like a sports personality, to kind of give me my own show while I was on with um with, with Jeff and Sandra in the morning. So it was straight from no experience to right in the fire with guys who were guys and girls that were, you know, 15-year radio pros. And I had to really sink or swim. Um, and so that's where that started. And then from there on else, it was like there on out, it's like, well. I don't have anything else going for me. You know, I, I'm a dropout. I dropped out of college. Didn't, didn't want to do it. Uh, looking around. If I don't make this work, I have nothing else kind of in my corner. And that's what drove me that way in the media journey to make sure that I got right. So um, that is what kind of forced me into media. And I'm super thankful for that. Yeah. And I mean, when you first told me that you were, you know, at AKR uh, W-O-N-E or one of those, I always just, I assumed you were just talking sports on there. I was shocked to find out you were doing morning shows and stuff like that. Yeah. So like, were those morning shows something that you enjoyed like a lot and were thinking like, oh, maybe I'll just stick with this. Or did you always kind of have like a, a desire to go to sports? Bro, I thought I was going to be a long-term like morning show DJ. I mean, that's the way I was, I was, honestly, I was being like kind of positioned and groomed for that. Um, Jeff Kinsbach had the number one show on the entire East coast for years and years and years. He's the reason the rock and roll hall of fame is in Cleveland. Like, like he means something to radio, just true ro radio royalty. So when he brought me in at first, it was like kind of under like to talk sports and talk like betting stuff for a little bit. And then he thought I was good enough at the other stuff to really be a music personality. So yeah. while I'm growing on the music side of things, I'm also on WAKR. I have my own sports show. And what happened was eventually the entire WAKR sports department got let go, all of them, except for me. And so before that, I felt like, okay, eventually I'm going to grow into a sports role. I'm going to go be black Colin Coward. I'm going to go yeah. be, you know, Stephen A. Smith with elite takes. Like that, that's what I thought. That's where I thought it was going until that happened. And I looked for answers as to why the entire sports department got let go. Um, and the answer was, well, local sports radio is really tough to sustain with the cost that it takes for staff. Right? And yeah. I understood it. And so I thought to myself, okay, so I either have to go big league in sports or I can sit at this comfort level in Akron, Ohio, and do the music radio where, where I know there will always be a place for me. Yeah. Um, so so that's kind of that's how that went. And from there, I ended up moving over to – from because ONE was classic rock. And won awards, number one show, ended up being a really great show. Jeff Kinsbach told me, he said, I think you're ready for bigger things. I'm going to go ahead and retire, do your own thing. So I left that show to go to an alternative music station, which is more my age. And yeah. that felt good, like to be able to talk about Nirvana, to really fall in love with the music and to be on a disciplined schedule and be able to start my morning every morning with making people laugh and being on the car in the car with people. I thought that was it. Said I'm I'm gonna be morning DJ. I'm gonna bring bands out on stage. I'm gonna kick it and have and have a good time. Um, and then I got my own morning show. Got named the APD. 
uh, which is was crazy full circle because that's that's who found me at a hospital and yeah. I was able to do that in, in under three years. Um, have Christian in the mornings. It do well. Flip a station from jazz to alternative music, and then from alternative to alternative rock. So yeah, I thought that was going to be it forever until I started seeking out content. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. I started seeking out Ohio State shows to listen to, sports shows to listen to, because that competitive itch wasn't being scratched. Yeah. Because through school, wherever you are, you say boys will be boys. Oh yeah. I could sit down anywhere, any table, and argue for hours with people about sports. Dude, I, I remember you'd come over to my dorm freshman and sophomore year of college, and you had notebooks full notebooks. of college football yeah. players and analysis and like early. That's yeah. why that's why I was shocked when I found out that you kind of were in the on the music side of things. I love. I mean, you're right. I mean, this. I mean, we came up together, bro. Like my our 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 first jobs were like being spotters for high school football games. Seriously, like yeah. I mean, we we were hanging out with the with the Firestone basketball team. Mm-hmm. We were you know doing all that stuff, and it's like, and then like you said, we started doing spotting for uh for for the football OHSA, games, yeah. and yeah, I always assumed you would end up in sports but you know i and i'm i'm more of i'm like less of a chess player and i'm just like outside doing whatever but mm-hmm. going going into the music tank and not having any sort like because like i used to be able to like go to your honor storm with my notebook and i'll yeah. go i'll argue with everybody line up your best arguers i got them or come oh, yeah. up ball with me that's just generally 100%. How it mm-hmm. and it didn't even matter what sport any like sport. you know we we would talk college football just because that was on but i mean you were you could do any of it um, I mean, I was not surprised at all when, when I, yeah, I found out that you had transitioned over into the sports world. But... Well, it's just, it's just harder, right? Because you have to, you have to skip some steps. I think in the sports world, because yeah. the sports world, like I was taught early, it's like, well, local sports talk radio, isn't a thing. Like it's too tough to maintain. There's the mid market ones, but in Akron, it was just too hard. I was gonna say, especially when you're in a place like Akron, cause yeah, you can reach up and get the Cleveland, but what is there in Akron sports-wise? You got the exactly. Ducks and you got the Zips. So I had to skip the steps, and I was seeking out content. And one of the things that I found was that there was a major gap in true Ohio State content. The content was more like mouthpiece content rather than giving an analysis and allowing me to be someone who can share my opinion. There was no opinion-based analysis. It was it was more it was more let's go Buckeyes and less exactly. of like actual analysis of the of the team and, the, and everything like that and so i was able to kind of find my way into that and it wasn't through radio it was through it was through youtube and audio and podcast and once me and zach got going with that things blew up so quickly and it got to a point where i had a decision to make because i was working every morning in the christian mm-hmm. in the mornings from four to ten and then i was also you know an apd and doing imaging so i was going and in my office nobody at work knew dave like maybe two people at work knew that every day, instead of taking a lunch, I would go on and do an hour long podcast, put it out and then go back to my work day. So I was crazy. I was, I was Hannah Montana. I'm the black Hannah Montana. I'm living a double life. You know, got the best of both worlds, you know, play the rock in the morning, talk sports in the noon. So that's what I was on. Um, And it got to a point where my money that I was, was being made from, uh, from talking sports independently was double my initial salary at the radio station. Wow. And so it was like, you know, Zach with the clock, Chris, it's time. So I quit my job on a Wednesday, 
packed up my stuff and drove to Columbus on a Thursday morning and started this new chapter of talking primarily college football. And I don't know if I'll ever go back. I do love music, though. I, I learned to really love music because I'm an obsessive personality. Mm-hmm. And being able to launch myself into that world and learn about it meant something. Nothing, nothing, nothing will beat waking up at 5.30 and watching the sun come up while you talk for maybe three minutes an hour <laughs> because there's music yep. in between. Yep. Um, but I, I do. I, I am scratching the itch for sports for sure. Although I definitely could not work those hours. I can tell mm-hmm. you that right now. So how did you first get in touch with Zach? Did you reach out to him? Did he reach out to you? Or was there kind of a more or less a middleman involved? Like, how did that whole thing happen? So when his whole situation happened and, and him getting getting fired in 2018-19 area, I had a show of my own at that point still. That was before um, WKR got rid of the sports department. And it was like a dramatic sports show. Like, I, I was like, you know, covering analysis, but I was also interested in the like – what players slept with who, you know, what players, why? Oh, yeah. Like, like trying, to get the, trying to get the tea. Yeah, yeah. It was more of that kind of show. And um, and I ended up meeting Zach through that because I was covering the story. And I was the only one that took, like, the side of, can we wait and see before we go all the way? Mm-hmm. Um, and then because of that, Zach and I ended up meeting through, which is, this is wild, DeSantis. <laughs> Ron DeSantis. Yeah. It's Okay, okay, here we go. So. So I launched an Ohio State podcast with this guy named Kyle Lamb, and we were doing it once a week and had like a thousand listeners, and that's how Zach kind of heard me for the first time and my sports radio show, yeah. And uh, and so I got to go watch Michigan. I went to go see Zach for the Michigan State Ohio State game in 2019. We watched it at his house with the guy that was my co-host that I met on Twitter, like at the time, yeah. like for my little independent podcast. And then COVID happened. And keep in mind, my, my, my co-host, great guy. He was a DoorDash driver and just a Twitter guy. But he was great on, on a mic. COVID happened, and he starts tweeting every day COVID statistics and COVID stuff. But again, DoorDash driver, Twitter guy, Ohio State yeah. guy. But no sports to talk about. Just the only thing to talk about is COVID. Yeah. I don't know what happened, but Elon Musk saw one of his tweets and, no ret- and retweeted it. This is my co-host, Dave, at the time. Retweeted one of my tweets. And then DeSantis reached out to him and hired him to the be governor of Florida. Yes, to be are the you, COVID analyst for the state of Florida. Me? And so one day I have a podcast partner. The next day I do not. And he he's down gone. working for the government of Florida Currently. during COVID. What the every, every now and again, he'll send me a picture of him in some Oval Office or him, him in a White House or him at the governor's place, whatever. And so, yeah, so that was Kyle. You can look him up, Kyle Lamb. That was my co-host. I found myself without a co-host and not quite sure what, what I was going to do, but I still want to talk Ohio State football. And then Zach and I ended up linking up and talking, and he asked me, if you were me, how would you take this to the next level? And I just kind of pitched what I had been doing before with Kyle a little bit, like just you know a, 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 a daily show that I'd be down to be a part of just to start off the morning to talk Ohio State football and then college football broadly because it is mm-hmm. every day. Yeah. And he was like, would you want to do it with me? And basically linked up, met, that was that. it worked. We were both on the same page. And he knew about my work ethic. Um, so, yeah, so I linked up with Kyle. I linked, uh, like, Kyle introduced me to Zach at, at early. And then when Kyle went on to go work for the governor, I, I needed something. And Zach was 
was ready. And so, yeah, that's my that's my wild, absurd story that I still can't believe is true, bro. Imagine, bro. One day you got a co, one day you got a co-host. Next, next day, day he's gone, gone, gone. Wow, bro. Sixty minutes trying to get him on their show because they were gonna do a big hit piece on it. Because like, like, how is the governor hiring a DoorDash driver to be the COVID analysis when we're in the middle of a pandemic? I mean, it tracks, but dude, like. <laughs> I mean, we're not going to get political here, but it tracks for the state of Florida. It was nuts, bro. And I love Kyle, bro. A super funny dude. I just couldn't believe that that happened. So, yeah, that's what what got me linked up with Zach. That's hilarious. All right. So, you know, you mentioned that you covered and kind of talked about what happened with Zach Mm -hmm. and stuff. So, for those who are not familiar, uh, Zach Smith, who's your partner, was an assistant coach with Urban uh, Meyer down in Florida. Came with him to Columbus in 2011. uh, But in 2009, he was... uh, he was arrested for assault and domestic violence in in 2009, right? Yeah. Originally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Arrested for assault and domestic violence while he was still coaching at Florida. There's a lot of back and forth while they were here at Ohio state, which ultimately led to him being let go as one of the coaches. Um, Also led to Gene Smith and urban Meyer with some suspensions in there, uh, things like that. My question to you as someone who, who knows you and the values that you have just from, you know, your personal family history and, how you grew up and everything. Yeah. I grew up with uh, all girls. You can say it. I grew up okay. with all I, girls in the house. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. You, you, yeah, it was, it was always you and your sisters until Zeke came along. Uh, yeah. Shout out to my guy. Dude, I'm telling you, what were your uh, initial thoughts on joining someone with that history? Like I said, you had, based on what you said before, it sounds like you had a different perspective of it. Cause like you said, everyone was kind of jumping to conclusions with it, but I think it sounded like you kind of dug a little bit deeper in there. Mm. Um, so you're obviously going to get a large following because of who he is, Yeah. but is that somebody who you have concerns going, going into that, that you're going to get backlash? Like, why would you work with this guy? You know, things like that. Um, yeah, no, this is, this is the first time I've been asked this on a podcast and I'm really thankful that I get to finally answer this. Um, so first of all, Dave, thank you because a lot of people kind of shy away from that because it is such a loaded question. Um, so initially, I, before I met Zach, uh, when I was kind of putting together the, the the facts, I I was in school for PR, and then I also studied journalism as well. And one thing that caught my attention was I took a plenty of journal 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 journalism classes. And mm-hmm. when you make a correction on an initial report, you're supposed to reference that you made a correction. Yeah. And I noticed as I'm reading Brett McMurphy's report that he kept making adjustments and not announcing that he made an adjustment or corrected an error in the report. He was just kind of trying to sneak it in there. Yeah, he was kind of sneaking everything in there. And so that led me to kind of, that perked my ears up a little bit. And what also perked my ears up was Urban Meyer in the Woody, in, in the Woody one of the rules was don't touch women. Like, you yeah. won't allow. Got it. So I'm like, okay, like, if Urban knew this was going on and Zach kept his job, that's crazy. And I'm curious as to why. Now, I know that the initial reason was being put on the um, Earl Bruce is – you know, the grandson and that, that I mean, that's Urban's grandson and Urban hired, you know, that's who hired Urban and this and that. And I was like, okay, I could buy it. But let me take a look. And what I found when I took a deep, a deep dive that really set my alarm off was that he never got charged with domestic violence like Brett Murphy initially put in. And then I also dug into the police records a little bit too, because there was a belief that this was also a big police cover up as well. It was like mm-hmm. two parts. And what I found was the reason 
nothing ever stuck. And the reason the charges were so out of left field was because several of the 911 calls that were placed, hey, come help me. Mm-hmm. The reason the county stopped replying was because they were already divorced at this point yeah. during that late set of calls. And or he was rec- there were tw- two times it happened, Dave, where he was recruiting in Florida during a 911 call that he was beating her in Columbus. And so that had me really take a step back and like look around. And then I met her mom. And good relationship. They had a good relationship. Yeah. And the mom said, yeah, like. I'm so like basically I'm so sorry Zach. She said she was going to do this to try to ruin your life on the back end. Wow. And so when I heard those two things and then t- took an even closer look and saw what any of the issues even started and then he never got charged with anything. Nothing nothing could come to be when really yeah. a lot of times it's pretty easy to charge on, on some of those fronts. And for the mo- I mean for the most part it's like yeah, it's an accusation and it's done. Like Yeah. And so after after digging that much into it, and then I got to meet Zach before we ever worked together, and I sat down and spoke with Zach for it's our Michigan State game. Yeah. It's like, no, nah, this is this is a really good dude that got caught up because this girl wanted to ruin his life. Now that is what I think. Maybe I don't know that for certain. Like mm-hmm. obviously, no, nobody knows except for the two people there. Exactly. But being around him and his. His new his new girlfriend who's been with for a long time and his family. Yeah. And even to this day, like to this day, like her mom still comes out and, and will and will spend time with us. That's awesome. That that doesn't feel like someone, yeah. A, a, a victim. So so that that's that part of it. And that's why I, I chose to kind of have him on and let him share his side of it. Now the other part of it is like the the public perception on Zach is really, really poor. Mm-hmm. It was. But also, I'm super comfortable and confident in who I am. That yeah. if someone, oh, yeah. If, yeah. I know. <laughs> it's there. It's there. And for X amount of years, I've kind of put my values on the forefront and kind of stood to them. Never had any trouble. Never, like, like not, not a lot of character concerns, I would say, with myself. And that's kind of the ego speaking a little bit. And my thought process was, okay, this is, this is, a, this is a good dude that got caught up in, in a big mess. I consider myself a good person. I think people in Akron have seen that I've always been about the community. I've always been about doing the right thing. Um, and if I link, make, if I endorse this deal as my partner, I hope more people give him the chance to mm-hmm. be heard because I believe you will learn what, what I have learned and that he's a really good dude that got caught up in a mess by someone who's vindictive. Yeah. And so did I worry? Yeah. I also think that on a microphone, I'm good enough to where if I ended up, you know, if we ended up going our separate ways to go do other things, I don't think that's a big enough black eye no. or even a black eye at all to, yeah. for, for a station to not to hire me. Like I'll, I'll simply print out numbers and resumes and it's like, okay, like he did the show with them, but he's, you know, he's also good at his job. He, he was doing well before then. Right. Before then. And so thank you. So that's, that is, that is where I, where I will go with, with, with the whole Zach thing. I think he's yeah. a great dude. I think he's a great family man. He's been nothing but a great older brother to me. I mean, obviously you know, awesome. I've, I've lived in Akron my whole life. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have moved here if I didn't think he was a, a really good dude 
B, uh, I don't think he did anything to her. And and three, if I didn't have faith in kind of the product we were building. So yeah. that's 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 that. My mom and my mom, same deal. My mom was like, Oh yeah, there's so you you could go. It's definitely definitely a little bit much. And I did get a lot of hate at first, and I wasn't oh, yeah. I wasn't used to the hate. I- I don't know if you even remember because I'm sure you got a ton of texts and stuff. I texted you when I found out. I'm like, hey, yeah. like, I'm not trying to stop you from doing what you want to do. You know, Facts. I'm not trying to to ridicule or anything, but it's know, hard. What are you thinking with this? And mm-hmm. I mean, you came back and you told me like you vetted him. You're sure, and I'm like, eh, you know, you're you're right, yeah. you're right. And you told me that you're like, hey, you knew I grew, you know who I grew up. Yeah, you know, exactly. I was the older brother, just a mom. Like, oh yeah. It is hard though, because like the headlines were so potent. Like if I wasn't so invested in it, and honestly, like like if I didn't have that sports show, I would have never been here because that's no. what made me give it a closer, closer look. And and it's funny because at first I really was doing it because I was the last sports show of the day, and mm-hmm. like for eight hours the take on Zach had only been one thing, and I didn't want to yeah. be another peg in there. So that's what forced me to look a little closer. And then I started finding stuff, and I'm like, oh shoot, we got something. I got something. I get that was like that's like my first moment of oh my gosh, I'm about to have a great show. Put the liner in, mm-hmm. tease the truth about Zach Smith on W A K R. Like it was going, bro. It was going. <laughs> that's awesome, dude. So did you ever think you would leave terrestrial radio and get into just like digital content? Or I mean, I know that's kind of how the world is going. If you look um, you know, one of my favorites to listen to is Dan Lebetard down in Florida. Yeah, uh, they used to be on ESPN radio, ESPN news, and then they left ESPN. Now they've started Meadowlark media. They do only digital content, YouTube podcasts. Did you think that was kind of how your career would go or is, are you just kind of going with it and it's, it's what happened. So that's what we're doing. It kind of just happened. But I will say I was always aware of the chance to go all digital. Um, Dan mm-hmm. Lebetard is Dan Lebetard's the OG of this. Just so you know, like absolutely, you, no, I've you, I've been listening to him since he was same three hours on ESPN News. He's one of the reasons why I fell in love with with radio to begin with. Um, it is sad, kind of seeing regular radio kind of die. But I also can understand it because I was in it and I understand the whys. Maybe that's yeah. more of a topic for a different show. But um, Lebetard going digital showed everybody that it, that it could work. Yeah, McAfee going digital and, you know, having a hundred twenty million dollar deal thrown at him proves that it can work. And my dreams and aspirations, though, were always to be Colin Coward and to be like on the radio and on TV at the same time. They've Mm -hmm. they've since changed. I want to be Andrew Schultz now. Like I want to sit on a couch with with my homies and 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 talk about real life stuff and talk about culture stuff and show that's the way. But there's just been so many digital giants that have kind of paved the way just on that front to shows that it works yeah. um like your dj academics like your adam 22s like you know dan lebitard like pat mcafee um, yeah and and so e- even even colin coward um i know he does the regular radio show but he also now has digital only platform as well yeah. um because it's easily accessible and it's basically on demand on dvr at all times rather than just being exactly. live radio so. and i i mean i can't tell you the last time i actually listened to the radio on my truck like it's, yeah. I'm always, I've always got a podcast on or I've got just Apple music playing. Like, I think it's just kind of the way the world's going. There will always be that place for terrestrial. But even when I was on the radio, I never listened to the radio. Like, <laughs> I, I listened to it. Like <laughs> I always wondered that, you know, like I'm not going to lie anymore. Like, it, no, no. So, so here's the thing. Like I would work eight hours a day. And of course the radio station is on at the radio station. 
But when I leave, if I see a radio turn on, I feel like I'm at work again. I'm like, I don't yeah. want to hear this. I don't, I don't no, want to hear it. I don't want to do it. And I also know how music like radio works. It's like, like being on the back end and seeing like that it's like why songs get overplayed on the radio. Here we go. You, you want you want a quick tip, little, little game? Go you for why, it. You know why songs get overplayed on the radio? Because record labels reach out to executives at radio stations. They're, they're called music directors, which I yeah. was involved with. And they basically say, if you give me this many spins a week, we can give you this giveaway. We can give this really? gift to the station in forms of cash. We can buy t-shirts for you. We can give you tickets. And so songs get overplayed. Be- the big songs get overplayed because the bigger labels have the better gifts. Like so you if went- you ever wondered why, how they're able to get those tickets. Exactly. Hey, they're not paying for them. What's Absolutely happening not. is the bigger record labels have bigger resources. So the bigger artists yep. get forced radio spins to help songs go platinum before digital copies go out. So that is your, and learning that side of it really turned me off to radio because it's like the days of like small bands being able to get on the radio are over. You can't just go small brand radio and then label. You have to go small band tour a ridiculous yeah. amount for very dirt cheap. Hopefully, get a label. Then the label has to elevate you to get you on the radio. And that and that sucks because like, you know, you and me being from Firestone, the Black Keys is a great example of that. Exactly. You know, two guys started playing together in high school. They started doing local radio stuff. And now mm-hmm. they're, you know, they're known worldwide. And you're not going to have that. Can't do it anymore. That happen anymore. No. Now the way to do it is go viral on TikTok. And then hopefully a label sees you and then grabs you. Go, and, then, yep. and then you're an industry plant. So that's. Well, shoot. The last the last new band that I found was the only reason I heard of them is because they opened for the uh, for the Garth Brooks concert that I was oh, at. Yeah. Heck like yeah. I, they were never on radio or anything like that. It's just, you know, they're just start touring with them. And that's how it goes, man. That turned me off to radio. But um, I, I didn't think of a digital plan until I got to Columbus because then it's like, okay, like now it's just me and Zach. Mm-hmm. Like now, like if if I don't think of a plan to grow this digitally, like then we just left for nothing. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Um, as far as the production of the show goes, like obviously you can go back and edit the podcast and things like that because you're not putting stuff out live on on youtube live as far as i know no i am uh, oh are you really Every oh day. never mind then we go uh, look at that and and the live side of it is a movie bro because oh i'm sure sometimes i don't be know what this boy's gonna say and then it's like when he talks about pj fleck and i'm like oh and then everyone's like this is why we turn into the youtube because we get to see chris's reaction when zach says stuff super off the wall that you don't so, get to see on podcasts only so that kind of that kind of changes changes my question a little bit. I was going to ask, you know, how's the production different? Because you can go back and edit and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But is the production really different from being on digital versus terrestrial radio? Obviously, there's different rules as far as what you can yeah. say and things like that. But other than that, I mean, well, it's different. So different FCC rules, and I found yeah. that like on the on the digital side, one thing I can enjoy is like production wise. I'm so I, I have two two monitors. And I'm able to like interact with the live audience with my voice, with my eyes, and type back with them during the show. Um, and then also like because it is, it's still video as well as podcasts only. But I'll have to make graphics and put them up as the show's going live. So like if there's a graphic or a video you want to play or a soundbite, it's similar in prep. But I have to worry about the the, the visual element to it as well. And I have really bad eye control. Additionally, like my mm-hmm. eye control is pretty bad because I never had to worry about that in. In, uh, in radio but we do do pieces of content production wise that are not live like we'll do coaches film rooms 
Um, and that's like you'll sit like sit down and draw X's and O's on a board. And that is definitely very different, like being able to have the technical prowess. And this is where I, I really am thankful for my time at Firestone because I was able to learn stuff like Adobe Premiere pretty mm-hmm. early on. And so I, I feel comfortable editing and all that kind of thing. And then post-show stuff for social media, like making TikToks that are catchy that are, you know, using tricks to keep people's brain engaged, like yellow writing and like kind of that side of it. I found the most oh, subconscious stuff. Mm hmm. Uh, oh, but, what, but once you get it, you get it, bro. Like I had, a, I had a video uh, about Tim Tebow. And this is crazy because this was like my first moment—not not my first moment, but a moment where like I went back to Akron and someone was like, "Dang, bro! Like I just saw you on my on my TikTok for you page because I, yeah. I I figured out that like I figured out all the little tricks and put it together and I had one video hit two point five million on TikTok wow. and then two point two million on YouTube and then 2 million on Instagram. So like accumulate 6 million, almost all in the Ohio area. And then, uh, and then like, I hear like Pat McAfee talk about that story on his show. And it's like, Oh, like you heard that from my podcast because this piece of content went viral. That post-production is something that I never had to do in radio, but I'm Mm -hmm. getting a chance to do in digital. And I do think every radio PD in America can learn from using that to get people to their show. Cause really micro content is just elite marketing and uh, without, without money. For sure. So far in your career, what's been, what's been the hardest part of your like media career, you know, has Mm. it been leaving the station and, and starting this, or was it just getting into the station in, in general, or, you know, what was the hardest part? The hardest part was when I moved over to 107.3 Alternative Cleveland and being overlooked almost after my guy retired and then um, the person who found me got let go or, and moved stations. Um, I felt like I was a star on the right trajectory and yet I kept getting passed over mm-hmm. um, for positions that I thought I was qualified for. And then when I would get passed over, they were just delegating all the work to me anyway. So I wasn't going to title the money and I still had to do all the work. Exactly. And then um, it was really difficult when someone who got hired over me to be my boss. And then I got relegated to just a traffic person for a little bit. And it was I, it, the hardest time in my, in my career was when I, when that, when, so my boss relegated me to a traffic person, didn't think I was very good. And then I couldn't figure out why, because I tested well every time I'd got on, like I thought I was good on a mic. And then a podcast with him went viral, not viral, a podcast of him got out of him saying black people deserve less. And I remember that. And saying the N-word. And that was hard for me because people in radio overlooked that. Yeah. People in radio allowed someone to take away from me without any real reason and kind of like let it all get overlooked. Oh, like him and Chris don't get along or, Oh, like no, no one wanted to step in when I felt talented and felt like I was taken advantage of yeah. until the end word was said. And then, and then I don't feel like I was ever looked at the same after that. Yeah. Like that was like a, like a black eye and a stain over those. Over It, it was, it was three, it was three back to back to back racist bosses. That really right. was a, was a tough time for me. And thankfully, they all they all got fired. But people in radio will let that happen as long as the ratings are right, yep. even if the signs are there. And that yep. was the first time. And honestly, like they they weren't even going to fire him until uh, I got that. So the clip here we go. This is crazy. The clip of him saying the N word was sent early in the morning, yeah. and by someone else. And then it got sent to me later on. And 
the VP of the company said that, oh, like, we'll talk to Tony about it, whatever, whatever. Like, we'll get it squared away. I sent the exact same clip to the person that got it the first time. And it was a two-minute clip. That's it. And the reply back was, oh, I hadn't heard this clip yet. This will get taken care of. I promise. And it was like, damn, it took me providing the clip separately and typing an email what the clip said for this person that's supposed to look out for me mm -hmm. to look out for me. Yeah. Um, and then my final stint at Rubber City Radio, another person who has said several things about me and it got overlooked, uh, his name is Jonathan Walsh. He came in and I was trying to fix the board and he said some problematic stuff to me, cussed me out crazy, crazy. And I, at this point, I was, I was the boss at this place and he's a fake engineer that doesn't actually, he isn't actually an FC, you know, engineer, which is, you're supposed to have one of those at every station. Mm -hmm. He spazzed me and said some terrible things. And when I filed an HR complaint, I got told that I went through the wrong paths. And when I asked why, it was because I broke the chain of command. You know, I broke the chain of command, Dave, because my boss is on vacation. So I went to my boss's boss what and then the, the HR heck? director. And then this person, Jonathan, was supposed to apologize to me, wouldn't apologize in person, had like yeah. hyperventilated, even though he's terrible at his job. And uh, and that's when I was like, all right, I'm done. Like, I, I can't do it. Like, this place doesn't want to look out for me. This person got dangerous with me and, and, and nothing happened. And I asked him, I said, why can't you fire him? They said, well, we can't fire people. It doesn't work like that. And then I pointed to them firing Sandra Miller for doing absolutely nothing at all. Absolutely nothing at all but being a great employee. And they mm -hmm. said, oh, that – and then that's when they froze. And, like, so I knew it was super unfair, and I knew that the, the old heads in radio kind of were the reason that things couldn't work out. And people like that making toxic work environments and people absolutely. at the station not not stepping in to do anything. And they didn't think I would quit, Dave. Like, I, I got in that meeting. He wouldn't apologize. They wouldn't let him go. And I'm like, I'm, I said, I'm retiring. Like I'm out, like I'm done. And at this point, nobody at the station knew that I had this massive platform on the other side of things. And now they, they, uh, they didn't believe me. So that's, that's what it was. Radio makes young talent feel so undervalued and all the things I was told wouldn't work in radio. I'm now getting a chance to take in digital and see it work and see the proof. Mm -hmm. And yet still, and yet, and yet still, um, that that place couldn't give me my flowers so that was the most difficult time in my radio my, my radio career because i felt like i didn't matter um, yeah. when i knew i was the first one in every morning and the last one out i was yeah. working legitimately i'd get to work at 5 a.m i wouldn't leave the station until 7 7 p.m um and was and was making less at the time than 30 grand a year so that's crazy yeah so that's that that was that was the most difficult part of it and there's no like performance therapist right it's like yeah. when your life is full radio and you go through these lows, how are you supposed to get on the mic and spend a morning with everybody and be cheerful? And so I would say sound happy and chipper. And, you know, as soon as you cut the mic off, you just perform it. Smile goes away. Yeah. Right. And so that's that, that, that was, that, that hurt me. That was tough. And then like watching my, well, and then watching my peers, because they were all a little bit older, them retire also was like, dang. Like, watching Lynn Kelly, who was a, an Akron radio legend for forever on WQMX um, and WKDD. Like, watching her leave, when that was one of the people I love to see every morning. Watching Jeff Kinsbach league, leave. Like, being pulled away from Kathy Vogel, who won every single award. Like, mm -hmm. 
like in an industry where you spend so much time alone with people, you want to be surrounded by the good people. And those people leaving really made things really difficult, especially when I was going things created simply by a toxic work environment. Yeah. Um, so, you know, bouncing off of that last question is, you know, it's broadcast media in general, not even just sports, but just broadcasting and communications is difficult, difficult to get into. Um, you got any advice for people who are listening that want to get into it, whether they're in college for it now, or they're, um, you know, young li- listening to, to Tom Hamilton on the radio, let's call him the tribe. It's a, it's a running joke that, you know, we talked about Levitard earlier, Levitard, every time somebody asks him, you know, for advice, he just says, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I didn't know if you, if you had any other advice or if you were, you were going to go along that line as well. Um, no, my, my advice is do it. I see. I'm, I'm, I'm young at this point. I'm the sucker that gets people to, to do it. So, uh-huh. uh, a couple, so two quick practical things, um, download, uh, Odyssey and wait, is Odyssey or Audacity? Which one? Audacity. Audacity. Download Audacity, learn it, download CapCut, learn it. Those are two free programs that will get you ready for the big dogs, the premieres, um, and the auditions do that practical, practical thing. Number one, um, number two, go to your local radio station and you have to use these exact words. Ask if you can volunteer or ask if you can work part-time on their street team. Street team level is where you learn every part of radio. If you do that and you know, you like it, then you go learn the two programs. And then third thing, practice. And the best way to practice, Dave, I found, is Twitter spaces. Find a Twitter space in your community, whatever you want to talk about, and get on there three times a week. Go through the motion of practicing, hitting the microphone button, off mute, on. you just do it from your phone, off mute, on mute, and talking in a way that's palatable. You do those things, you absolutely will find your place in whatever media field you want to want to be in. And then the third thing is, do it, put it out. It doesn't matter. Like if you are happy with it, put it out, share it with your friends. Even if it doesn't get traction immediately. I mean, I was just I was just telling you before the show. Like yeah. I have the YouTube channel. We have twenty five thousand subscribers. I started another one yesterday, and just because I had a video that needed a home on the internet. And I have two subscribers. I haven't, I haven't tweeted anywhere, but I just want to place a home for content because that's what it's all about. And the artistry comes in from making content that you like, because when you like it and are ready to put it out, everyone else will like it too, or the people that, the people that will find you will like it. So that's my three steps of advice. Um, and then never sign a non-compete is my last one because, because <laughs> forget a non-compete for real. That works perfect. Yeah. All right. So every episode, we ask the same four questions at the end. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a big hockey guy, so we, we have to connect the show to hockey somehow, so we call them our power play questions. Quick little two-minute thing. Let's go. What's your favorite sports venue that you've ever been to? Favorite sports venue? Bro, the jar. <laughs> oh. I love the jar, bro. I did not expect to hear that. It's got like a classic feel, but also like that. a big arena feel. Bro, I love the I jar. Love- I love it. All right. Um, this one might be a little tricky because, you know, but what's your favorite venue that you have worked or played in? I know you played some some places when you were playing Ooh. rugby and soccer and stuff. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a good question. Um, favorite. It's funny because like just you talk about sports venue. I'll just say favorite venue, bro. House of Blues. There you go, bro. House of Blues. I brought out a sold out concert. It was uh, it was coins. House of Blues brought them out on stage. It was crazy. I couldn't really breathe. The smoke was blowing. And as I'm trying to get up on stage and tell me about it, House of Blues is awesome. But on the sports side of it, definitely info season just for the sake of like the memory. But also Absolutely. last. Actually, no, no. Scratch that. Maslin Stadium. Maslin High School okay. Football. I had a I had a blast there. I'll never forget it. My first game working there, they gave away a car. <laughs> it's uh, Maslin football. It's not high school. Like no. we need to just make them their own division. Yeah, let them play against Bishop Sycamore. <laughs> like just let it go. Um, I actually haven't answered these questions, but I think I got an answer to that last one. That's gonna make gonna make you re- rethink. Oh, that, that old that old Firestone gym. Bro, the old the Firestone OG. gym. The, oh, yeah, the OG. I like the OG better than the jar. I just don't know what to call it. What do you call it? The nest? The, I think that's what it was called, actually. But, man, oh, talk about memories in there. Yeah, facts. All right. Th- this favorite sports memory, whether it was you were playing, whether you were watching, whether you were in the crowd, watching on TV, don't matter. Ooh. Favorite? There's, there's two. So... Justin Fields beating Clemson in 2020 was an incredible moment for me, but a moment that, well, that I cried during that game, that crystal lobby touchdown. I, I, that brought me to tears, but the Derek Jeter walk off single to end his career made a brother ball. I I remember that vividly. Yeah. That was a moment, bro. And then last one, if you could attend one sporting event, what would it be? Hmm. One sporting event, like future sporting event. What? Yeah, whether it's Michigan Ohio State game or a national championship game or anything like that, you name it. Well, so it's dope because I one of the items on my bucket list was the Indy Five Hundred. Yeah, if you know, I got to go this last year. Did you really? Yeah, bro. Sat right behind the pits. Had club seating also. It was it was gnarly. Didn't know what was going on, but I was having a grand old time. Um, no, I want to. I want to see Ohio State USC in the Rose Bowl. Oh, that's gonna be good. That's gonna happen too. Yeah, especially with them coming to the Big Ten. That is that is the game. Gonna happen to soon. Go to. That is the what's event. not to, not to get off track. What's your thought on the uh, Big Ten expansion? If we can get a little sports analysis in here, I love it. I think it's great for uh, the West. I, I think it's great for West Coast football. West Coast football yeah. was having an identity crisis because they're having a visibility crisis. Yep. All of a sudden, now the that the, the real fans of football are in the Midwest and now Midwest fans are going to tune into your games every single week. It's good for the athletes because now more famous players are going to be on USC. What's that equal NIL dollars for kids that maybe wouldn't have that opportunity because the mm-hmm. PAC 12 was moving to an Apple TV deal. I don't know about you, Dave, but me personally, I'm not going to pay a hundred dollars for a season to stream Pac-12 games. Visibility no, not out matters. here. No, not at all. Not at all. So visibility If it was the matters. Big Ten, then yeah, maybe. But I'm not doing that out here. I'm not doing it for Pac-12 out exactly. here. Exactly. I'm not doing it for both. So I think it's great for the sport. I think I think eventually we're going to move to a true four conferences. And with that, we should have just kept the uh, the 14 playoff, 14 playoff, and just let each conference champion go. Conference but I'm, I'm with won. it. I'm with it, bro. Yeah. The fact that we're going to get to see USC, Penn State, Michigan, UCLA, Ohio State, UCLA, Ohio State, Oregon, I, it's it's great for the sport. And mm-hmm. what's the, been the biggest complaint about college football for the last 20 years? 
playoffs. Well, the same teams. Yeah, well, only three games a year matter. Only games that matter are Michigan, Ohio State. Like, for Ohio State, the only game that mattered was the Michigan game, the Penn State game, and maybe one other. But now you got Oregon, really good. Washington, formidable. You got USC, really good. UCLA, really good. Penn State, really good. Michigan, Ohio State. It's like, whoa, those teams could play eight meaningful games, and the timing could not be better because now I think that Wisconsin under Luke Fickle is going to be a lot better, and I think that Nebraska under Matt Rule is going to be better. That's legitimately 10 teams that are going to be really good football teams, and I'm excited for them. And people people have called me crazy. I'm calling it now. I think Clemson's going to join the, join the Big Ten, too, Bro, in the coming years. I could see Clemson, Clemson Florida State. I Bro, could see I, the ACC being the next to fall. Bro, I think Florida State and Clemson are coming. You know, ACC is yeah. trying to add Cal and Stanford, so they're trying to lock in Notre Dame to see if they can get in that conference. But Yeah, you know, dude, no, really every good. team in the country is going to be a part of, of the Big Ten, and then there's going to be Notre Dame. Yep, <laughs> all of them. <laughs> um, but, no, man, it's – that that that's all the questions i got for you um you know thanks so much for coming on talking to me thank Um, you i miss talking to you we need to connect more but uh now now is is your time if you got anything you want to talk about anything you want to plug go ahead and advertise your shows your channels whatever you want to do yeah Um, i mean take 20 minutes take 20 minutes to do it because you got uh, so much going on No, I mean, honestly, if you're a culture ball fan, a Big Ten fan in particular, um, Ohio State fan in particular, particular, <laughs> Menace of Sports is the YouTube channel every day at noon. We go, we, we talk ball, all things fun, like a little lunch break. But other than that, man, Dave, I'm just, I'm thankful that our friendship has remained like this for this long. Like, we could pick up and talk like nothing happened. This uh, we met that Michigan and Ohio State fans can be friends. Facts. Well, I, I'm a unicorn, bro. My mom went to That's Michigan. True. So I'm used That's to putting up with you suckers. That. Yeah, I'm used to putting up with y'all. That's really, really what it is. While we're here, so thanks, mom, for keeping my friendship with with Dave Fetzer alive. I, I, I can't wait to tell her that uh, that we talk. Uh, yeah, tell her I miss her. Absolutely, I will do. Will do. But all right, man. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks, bud. Hey guys, thank you so much for hanging out with me on another episode of Into the Stands, the podcast where I unravel the fascinating tales of sports and entertainment personalities. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to subscribe, rate, and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. A big shout-out to our friends over at Around the Fifth Line. It's a Blue Jackets-based debate show that you can catch on YouTube as well as on all podcast platforms. If you're craving in-depth discussions about the game, they've got you covered. And for the latest hockey news and news focused on the Blue Jackets, head over to THN.com Columbus, home of the Hockey News Columbus with articles written by Jason Newland. Stay in the loop with the freshest insights and updates. Follow Jason on Twitter at F1RETheCanon for even more hockey goodness. Connect with us on social media. Follow me personally at the scoreboard guy, S-C-R-B-R-D, and at Into the Stands for the latest on upcoming guests and exclusive behind-the-scenes content. We love hearing from our community, so drop us a message and suggest guests for future episodes. As we wrap up today's show, let's remember the wise words of both Wayne Gretzky and Michael Scott. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Until next time, this has been the scoreboard guy, Dave Fetzer. Thank you for listening. 